Hey everybody, welcome out here to Notre Dame Prep here in Arizona. This is the Playoff Drive brought to you by Byers Auto here at Letterman Row as we continue the countdown towards kickoff in the Fiesta Bowl Saturday night. Number two, Ohio State, the three seed Clemson Tigers. That's Spencer Holbrook, that's Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. Out here a little uh, Merry Christmas to you all, happy holidays. I uh, hope you've enjoyed that time off. The Buckeyes did not get a day off. They've been out here uh, on the practice field here in Arizona. A little bit nicer day, it did rain in the morning. Uh, but they've come out, they've got some Santa hats on, they're embracing that holiday spirit while they're also getting in some work. It's kind of been uh, the theme all week, Burn, that they've got, you know, they're not doing crazy bowl stuff, yeah. but they are trying to balance in a little bit of good times with also getting ready for a really huge game. Yeah, I mean, the real thing for them is finding ways to just be together. They had a team dinner on Tuesday night. They're spending all their time here focusing on Clemson. Chase Young was asked on Wednesday what they're going to do on Christmas. And he said, watch film. So, you know, they, they, they may not be watching a Christmas story, but they're still watching movies today. Um, <laughs> and it's really just about finding a way to keep the focus on Clemson, keep the focus on what has to be done on Saturday night. You hear Quinn back there barking out some instructions as Ohio State goes through it, uh, limited to what we can watch, but uh, get to look at Justin Fields and these guys out here. Uh, continues, uh, Spencer, to be the hottest topic is how exactly that knee is going to hold up on Saturday night. Well, we saw a video of him at Top Golf, and he looked like his swing was pretty nice. So I don't <laughs> know if with his knee something to worry about. He might be. Uh, I, I, more of this week goes on, I think he's bluffing a little. I don't know about that. I don't know, but it just seems a little odd. But he it, says 90. If he's one wearing day, the knee brace at Top Golf, he probably his swing would have probably been worse. 90 <laughs> percent one day, 80 percent the next day. He just you know. He's somewhere in the 80 to 100 percent range. We don't really know where he's at. I don't think we'll really know for sure until Saturday because we don't get to watch a lot. But it's still the D dominant storyline out here in the desert. I, I just a golf swing and being a dual threat football quarterback are not the same. I just had to say. I, I had to bring it up. I know, but I've and I've seen it. We've all seen the clip of the golf swing and shared on Instagram. We also were out here for the last two days watching him practice, and he did not look 100% on that knee. But again, we'll see. Uh, if it, it could be gamesmanship. It could be uh, a situation where he's being upfront and honest because there's no reason to suspect he wouldn't be. That's the way he's been all year with it. And he wouldn't be wearing that knee brace for no reason. Uh, so you look Beyond, we talked about the offensive line, some other positions uh, this week, Berm. Which one are you most curious about now as, a, as we get you know, one day closer to Saturday night? To me, the matchup is going to be Jeff Okuda and Sean Wade, Damon Arnett, Jordan Fuller against the Clemson wide receivers because we haven't, haven't really had an opportunity to see much of Clemson. But if you watch that team, that offense, those receivers, it's like watching four, a group of shooting guards, right? They're all like 6'4", 175 pounds. <laughs> like, they're like custom made but they're all like you know repeats of one another and I think that's the matchup because it's about neutralizing the passing game of Clemson uh, and keeping them from really getting vertical on the Buckeyes which is where Clemson has excelled all year long is is big plays splash plays that's where the Buckeyes defense has excelled all year long they haven't given up many big plays but that's kind of where I think the game is going to be uh, really decided in the early part of the game how confident, how comfortable are the Buckeyes playing against the best group of wide receivers they've seen this year? And Spencer, you know, you talked to Jeff Okuda yesterday. You wrote about him uh, for a story this afternoon at Letterman Row. He's another guy who's part of that 17 signing class. This is his first opportunity to get into a college football playoff game, and he's starting to feel some of that disrespect. Didn't win the Thorpe Award where many people thought he would. He should have won the Thorpe Award, and I think it's pretty crazy to just to think Jeff Okuda didn't win the Thorpe Award because it, I thought it was kind of a given. I thought he was winning. And so for him not to, it just added a little bit more of a chip. And 
Make no mistake, the chip on these Buckeye shoulders is massive. Yeah. I didn't realize how big, how much of a motivating factor they would need because it's the college football playoff and it's Clemson who they've never beaten and who beat them 31-0 the last time these two teams played. They are using it. They are fully embracing the underdog, the we're disrespected, we should have probably been number one in the rankings. I mean, they're, they're all... It's too bad they're not playing LSU this week because the... LSU offensive line won the Joe Moore Award for the best <laughs> offensive line in the country when there's no reason they should have. Uh, Grant Delpit won the Thorpe Award over uh, over Okuda when there's no reason he should have. He wasn't even a first-team All-American. Uh, or the best. W- wasn't the best defensive back on his own team. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, so it's just one of those things where those guys are finding little things to pull and, and uh, cards to play that are going to keep them focused on Saturday. And it's pretty crazy to me. Clemson uses a holistic approach, the entire team is disrespected. Each one of these guys out here has a different reason to be motivated, it seems like. Jeff Okuda with the Thorpe Board, J.K. Dobbins with pick your disrespect, whether it's Big Ten running back of the year, yeah. uh, All-American status, uh, Doak Walker, where like he has so many different ways. Justin Fields is uh, taking a backseat this week to how great Trevor Lawrence is, and it's it's just interesting to me. Well, I would say that it also goes all the way to the top. Something that we talked about yesterday was the fiery speech for Ryan Day that he delivered on the practice field. I, I, he's you know these guys are you hear the microphone? They are fired up again out here today at Notre Dame Prep. But you know Ryan Day, there is some disrespect for him. It's it's it was more of an uncertainty, not that he not a disbelief that he could do it, but you know when. ESPN had the playoff predictor, and Ohio State was picked fourth in the Big Ten. He internalized that. He brought it up on the practice field yesterday. You, you look at the way that this has just gone for them, where people thought they'd lose two games, and Justin Fields with a first-time starter, and Ryan Day with the first-year coach. I mean, it's it's it was fair for the, for that to be an uncertainty for the Buckeyes, but it was he seems to be taking that motivation personally as well. So if that goes all the way to the top, and you have what you're talking about with a dozen different individuals who feel like they have something to prove, that's a dangerous team. I mean, aside from the fact that they're the most talented team in the country, uh, top to bottom, 1 to 85, this roster is only comparable to Alabama, and that's pretty much it. I mean, Clemson has done a great job building a program, and a year from now that conversation is probably different when we're talking 1 to 85 because Clemson may jump Alabama or even Ohio State. But right now, the Buckeye roster is still one of the two or three best in the country, bar none. And it doesn't matter if you have a first-year head coach. When you have that much talent at a program that's built and and, uh, regarded the way Ohio State's always been regarded, it just seems like there was this, well, Urban Meyer's not here. This team isn't going to be any good. Like, it's Ohio State. (laughs) They're always pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and Urban Meyer was out here on the practice field yesterday. He left Ryan Day and Ohio State in such a phenomenal position. Uh, It's kind of been funny to watch him around the team and, like, just kind of sitting back and, like, this is the fruits of his labor, but he doesn't have to go do the day-to-day anymore. And I think that the, the transition, now that we're you know one year into it, it could not have gone any better. It seems obvious, yeah. but it doesn't really get talked about that much because A, Ryan Day doesn't want to. Uh, B, the journey's not over. But when you look at how far it's come, you know, point C, he deserves a tremendous amount of credit. And the fact that he didn't, he did get half of the Big Ten Coach of the Year award, which I never thought would happen. Spencer predicted that in the bold predictions back in August and got that one right. I thought that was the most laughable one that anyone had down. But, you know, the National Coach of the Year award doesn't come up that much. Any of the other stuff with him, they, it's like, okay, well, and now, over, now you're on one that too. But now, the, yeah, but now the conversation is just like, well, Ryan Day inherited this really talented team, and he did. But, it's this team was also itself. really talented last year and the year before that. And to the way they've played, you have to give Ryan Day it's credit for that. It's history to say, oh, well, he, he inherited a talented team. You, this is expected because 
four months ago, nobody did expect it outside of the people in Columbus, Ohio, who get to watch the team every day. Like, right. That's it. It's pretty fascinating to me. This would this is probably the best possible year for them to transition as well. <laughs> for Urban Meyer to give him such a talented team, but also Ryan Day to take and say, Urban, I love what you did, but let me make some changes because I can make it better. And everything that Urban Meyer did, Ryan Day has made it, there's some aspects better. Where the defense was lacking last year, Ryan Day said, okay, I'm going to make this better with the talent that you gave me. Thank you, Urban, but let me take it a step further. And if this would have happened maybe next year after all these guys left, maybe we're not standing in Arizona having the same conversation. But just the talent that was here, along with the tweaks that were made, and the coaching job that Ryan Day's done, because like you said, yeah. he deserves all the credit. And, and some of them are not tweaks. Uh, again, I just, I'm just in this mood today where I'm looking back, maybe it's the holiday spirit with Christmas, but like one year later, that's not just a tweak to hire four new defensive coaches. That's a massive overhaul. And you look at, yeah, all those guys, they're basically the same personnel across the board uh, with one or two changes, but th that's a tribute to the player buy-in. Something that Tough Borland talked about a little bit yesterday when about the tacklings. Like Tough Borland said, I, "There's only so many ways that you can teach tackling," and I'm like, "Well, how did you get so much better at it? We just buy-in and and schematic approaches, putting them in a better position. You don't see the linebackers lining up the line of scrimmage anymore this year, but." You know, that's that's Al Washington, that's Greg Madison, that was the job Jeff Halfley did. Matt Barnes has been very good with the special teams as well. But none of those guys would be there if Ryan Day didn't hire him. Those were not Urban Meyer guys. Anybody can buy a Ferrari, but everyone's going to drive it different. You know what I mean? Like, there are some people who are going to take that Ferrari and, and be a little more careful because this is an expensive-ass sports car, right? <laughs> but there are some people who are going to be like, I'm going to drive this as fast as it can go because that's why I bought it. And if you're Ryan Day... If this is your first head coaching job, you're here for a reason because people think you can drive the, out of this sports car. But also stop at stop signs because he has done some things the same way Urban has. So he's just driving the Ferrari. You still have to pay attention to the rules. Well, that, that's an interesting one if we're going to talk about that because the only time that he's really tapped the brakes in a big game was Penn State. And we talked about that as soon as it was over. A rapid reaction also brought to you by our friends at Buyers Auto. And you have to wonder now... This is the first time for Ryan Day. As I said, it's the first time for Chase Young, first time for Jeff Okuda, first time for J.K. Dobbins. You know, he showed that he would gamble a little bit in the Big Ten Championship game with the fake punt. How aggressive is he going to be in a talent-equated, bar none, most talented head-on-head -head game in the country? In a, in a tight game against Penn State, he threw a fade route to – he had a fade route called to Chris Olave for a touchdown to expand the lead. It, when facing a deficit against Wisconsin, he pulled out a fake punt from his own 25-yard line. Maybe I'm in the minority. I think he's going to be as aggressive as he possibly can be because he knows what's at stake here. I don't think he's going to hold anything back. He's yeah. going to put the pedal to the metal in the Ferrari, I guess. I mean, I joked about it after the Penn State game, and I said people were wondering when Urban Meyer was going to get back to coaching, and he did in the second half of the Penn State game. But, you know, as we look back to the last 15 years of Ohio State football, Jim Trestle was notoriously conservative as an offensive coach mm -hmm. until big games. And then he decided he pulled out all the stops, right. did weird things. Urban Meyer <laughs> was notoriously aggressive offensively until big games when he decided to get ultra conservative and play Trestle ball. So uh, I, I'm curious to see which way Ryan Day goes in this sort of situation. I don't think the Buckeyes can win this game unless they're aggressive. And I, I feel like Ryan Day is probably aware of that uh, when you're playing a team that, again, the talent is equal. Uh, so I, I expect him to come out and, and put the pedal to the metal and, and really test Justin Fields and see what he's capable of doing physically early and then adjust from there if they note that there's some you know problems or holdups with Justin's knee or, or the offense. And 
I'll go back to your analogy. If you play, if you're racing another Ferrari, you're not punting from the 50 yard line on fourth and three. Yeah. You know, that's these those kind of moments. I mean, that's a very big analogy. You're not you know punting I mean? from but, Ferrari. I mean, but maybe you should it more in games like this because I I don't know. We can well, maybe we can talk about that again later in the week. But if you are in one of those games. You have to finally wrap your mind ahead around the fact that this is going to be more of a field position game. Yeah. The, the Blake Hobbiel and Drew Chrisman, the Gunners are going to have to play a role. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that that means you have to be reckless with your Ferrari on fourth and three from the fifty. Yeah. If you trust your defense to stop Clemson, I mean, those. I, I'm curious about the aggressiveness with the right mentality without risking too much because you don't want to give Trevor Lawrence the ball at the 50. Right. Yeah. No, Ohio State and Alabama in 2014 is a prime example of that. That game was, I mean, Alabama was being beaten physically at the line of scrimmage from the minute that game started. But J.K. Scott, their punter, kept putting Ohio State in terrible positions right. where the offense couldn't go 90 yards over and over. And so somehow Alabama was up 21-6 to late in the second quarter, and you're thinking. And we've talked about the struggles of Drew Christman this year. I think that he's going to be one of the most important players. He's going to have to play his best game of the year. That's going to be an interesting to watch. So much more to watch. We are almost to Saturday, about halfway there with the preparations going on here uh, in the desert. This has been the playoff drive brought to you by Byers Auto out here at Notre Dame Prep. We're going to get back out there and watch a little bit more of the Buckeyes while we still can. Gather more information. You can bring that coverage to you at LemonRoad.com uh, leading up until kickoff on Saturday night. That's Spencer Holbrook. That's Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you. We will see you back here tomorrow on the playoff drive brought to you by Byers Auto.